Hey ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency based in the UK. In this episode, I'm joined by Meg Cowley. Meg is what I call a proper author. So by that, I mean she doesn't write, you know, factual non-fiction books like I do. She writes fiction books. And for me, that is a whole different level of difficulty because you're not selling something that somebody's necessarily searching for right now. You're not giving them a solution to their problem. You're actually selling them your own creativity and creativity can be one of the most difficult things to market. So I wanted to invite Meg onto the show to talk about how she markets her books and in particular to give us a bit of an insight into the indie publisher collaboration world because there's some really, really interesting stuff that's going on with different indie authors collaborating to raise the sale of each other's books. And Meg will take us through what she's doing with a bunch of other authors to aim for a New York Times bestselling book status, which will be an absolute fantastic achievement. And it's very, very doable using the process that she's talking about. So I thought it'd be really interesting. It's not specifically about business marketing, but there's obviously loads of stuff in here which crosses over. It's just really to get the marketing creative juices flowing and to start thinking about how you could be collaborating with others in your industry that you have a, a, a bit of rapport with and that you maybe make a, a good partner with. So enjoy the episode. And don't forget, if you want a free review of your website and digital marketing, complete with some customized feedback on how you can increase the leads and sales that your site is generating for you, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. We'll send over a 20 minute video which shows you exactly how to do this stuff and increase the leads and sales your site generates. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show. Well, Meg, welcome to the show. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. So you're what I like to think of as a real author, right? I write books about digital marketing. They're factual books. They're written how I talk and I've grown Exposure Ninja with them. But your books are fiction, people actually reading about you. Um, maybe for those who don't know you or your work, you could give us a bit of an intro into, into what you're all about. Sure. Um, so I am Meg Cowley. I am a fantasy author and illustrator. Um, I basically write about magic and dragons all day long. Um, so I like that you call me a real author, um, <laughs> given that I, I talk, I spend most of my time writing about stuff that doesn't exist. So yeah, I, I basically write fantasy fiction. I illustrate fantasy things, book covers. Um, that's kind of me, really. I've had some su- success with adult coloring books. And mainly at the moment, I'm focusing on fiction. Perfect. So illustrator as well. So just super, super talented. It's an honor. <laughs> so um, our books, we sell mostly on, on Amazon. Is it a similar deal with you? Is Amazon your main sales channel? Yeah, um, f- for me, I'm Amazon exclusive. So there's there's two sort of options you have. You can either go all in with Amazon and you get access to their Kindle Unlimited program and a couple of other benefits. And that's what I've chosen as a better business model for me rather than to, to have it on Amazon and go wide with other retailers, but not have those select benefits. Um, for me, my income um, from Kindle Unlimited makes it worth it to, to go Amazon exclusive. So I kind of have all my eggs in one basket, which is really bad from a business point of view. But right now it's the most financially viable way for me, basically. And as an author, there's not really many better baskets to have all of your eggs than Amazon. Absolutely. <laughs> so selling books, particularly as a fiction author, when you don't have a topic which people are already searching for, 
must be pretty difficult. How do you stand out and how do you actually get people to give a book that they've never heard of by an author that they've never heard of a chance, even if the topic and, you know, they just don't know what they're getting. How do you get over that? It's not actually as dire as all that. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) getting your book found on Amazon is, is definitely a crucial part of selling, but it's not the be all and end all. So for example, what I would say are um, really important for getting your book found on Amazon is to have a really, really top-notch cover and blurb because that's what's going to attract your reader's attention and and to have a really great product page on Amazon where you've really carefully um, tailored the copy so that you're attracting those readers and you're engaging them to press that buy button. So where where are you saying it might be hard people to find you on Amazon and, you know, they're not looking for you? Actually, they are. And you have to understand your reader and what they're searching for to be able to make sure that you're positioned in front of them when they type whatever they type into the Amazon search bar. So it's it's kind of a different version of SEO for fiction. So your books, people might type, I don't know, I want to learn about marketing or you know marketing books into Google or Amazon respectively, and you might pop up. But for me, that's going to be useless. My readers might be searching for epic fantasy with dragons or urban fantasy adventures. So I'm going to use those keyword strings to basically make sure that my books show up in the search. There's all sorts of things you can optimize on Amazon, which you'll do with your nonfiction, but in your own way, which will be things like categories and making sure that your titles have SEO in them, that your blurbs do, and that you're targ- targeting the algorithms that Amazon naturally has to help you get your book to the top of the search in the lists. So even though your books are fiction, you're actually using the same sort of Amazon optimization techniques as someone who's selling something very factual with a very clear target audience that has a very specific need, I guess. This is it's the same thing. The keywords are different. It's 100% the same thing because at the end of the day, what is a book but a product? What do I want to do as an author? Well, I want to write books, but as, as a creative entrepreneur, I want to connect my products with readers who really want them. And that's where you have to learn all about marketing and, and how to effectively get your product in front of that reader and then tempt them into buying it, really. That's the long and the short of it. So how do you go about identifying which keywords your audience is looking for? There are a few ways to do it. Some are free, some are not free, some are difficult, some are less difficult. Um, Firstly, I would go and look at categories on Amazon. Um, So, okay, which, which of their categories would my book actually fit in? I'd start to look at other authors in those categories. I'd look at their book covers. What are their book covers doing? Can I identify any trends in those book covers that signal unconsciously to a reader that, oh, that's an urban fantasy book or that's an epic fantasy book. And how can I draw those things out to my own books um, to make sure that I'm in the right category, I'm ticking all the boxes for for my reader's expectations, I've got the um, SEO sort of down and um, (laughs) just trying to tick off that whole package to try and get yourself found. So do you write for the audience demand. So do, do you have a look and say, okay, lots of people are searching for urban fantasy with dragons, so that's what I need to write? Or do you think of a topic and then write around that and then optimize it? I probably sit in the middle, to be honest. So with my first series, I wrote what I love. And with my current series, I'm writing more to market. So it's, it's that balance between love and money. You know, you can write what you think will make great money or you can write what you love and sometimes there's a bit of an overlap and i try to find the overlap where i'm going to be able to make money writing but i'm going to be writing what i love that's really important for me i I don't think you can write a great book unless your passion for writing comes through so it's very much a balance for me yeah it's um 
it's a tough balance, isn't it, for creative industries? I'm in I'm in a band in my spare time, and so he spent has spent a lot of time around musicians, and and I think that's the struggle they often have is that. You know, if I pl- just played what I love, I'd be playing jazz. If I just played what made me money, I'd be playing pop. So it's finding that balance between jazz and pop. <laughs> it is really hard because I think any artist really wants to create what they love more than anything. But, you know, we, we have this battle that if you want to be successful as a creative entrepreneur, you actually have bills to pay, which means you need to make money somehow. So it's it's combining that really with the love of the craft. Yeah, sure. I think the balance is just finding out what people want to buy and then working out how to get your creativity and your personality into that to create something that's not just surface level, but is actually a kind of deeper version of what's already popular, I think. Cool. Let's talk about covers. My, I don't know if you know, but one of our books is called How to Get to Top of Google. And when it first came out, I thought cover design, easy. I've got Photoshop. Here we go. And I designed something and it looked like crap and it <laughs> sold nothing. And I was like, hmm. This isn't selling anything. So well, I've got well, I've one... that. <laughs> I know, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Who, who knew that people judge books by their covers? Right. Got, got one of our designers to design something and all of a sudden it starts selling more. Now, I don't know. I haven't done enough testing to figure out what are the top tips for designing a cover that sells. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot more books than me. What are your top tips on how to get something that make people click on it? I'd probably say three tips and I can say from experience that I've done the same as you. I've rebranded my covers and all of a sudden my books start selling. So it's really, really crucial. I mean, when you consider that this is the first thing a customer sees, this is the first impression they have of you, it absolutely needs to be the best you can make it. No questions asked. If if you had to spend money on one thing on your book, it would be a book cover because if people aren't going to click on that book cover, you're never going to sell your book. So the the three things that I would say really, really crucial would be to fit in with your genre expectations. So what I was saying earlier about researching my categories, I'm looking for those those reader stimuli that basically tell a reader what this cover is. So if they know it's it's got a dragon on it, they know it's epic fantasy or whatever. There's all these little unconscious things that readers don't really realise they're looking for that inform them what your story's about. So it's the art, the composition, the typography, um, fitting into that's really important. If you stand out, readers aren't really going to understand what your cover's about necessarily. So being different's great, but being complementary to what's already out there is actually really, really important. It's that consistency in what the reader expects. And then what I would say is because it's the most important thing that will influence your, your reader's buying decision initially to get them to click on it, you have to consider where they're going to see it. Now, about 99.9% of indie authors are not going to get their books into indie in, into um, bookstores and your books are going to be found on Amazon or another retailer. Now, your book covers aren't going to be full size. They're going to be a thumbnail. So you need to make sure that your concept really clearly comes across as a thumbnail, which can be quite hard. But it is really important because if people can't see what your book is about from a thumbnail size image, again, they're not going to click on it. And third tip I would say is probably along the lines of what you've done, which is if you can't make a book cover, just hire a professional. You know, there are people out there, including myself, who do this for a business, who know what readers want, who can just effortlessly hit all those little subconscious little ticks and give you a cover that's going to sell your book. It's really interesting. The 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 thing you mentioned about there being cues in your market. And I, I, always, I was joking with one of the ninjas saying, if we ever wrote original business concept book we'd make it white with orange writing 
very like a one word title with some colorful picture in the middle yeah because that's what they all look like and when mm. you look through amazon you don't think oh yeah they all look the same but actually you realize as soon as you see a cover if it's in that sort of style you instantly know and you instantly kind of associate it with all the other books like that don't you so does every market have these kind of design cues which people need to follow or at least pay respect to I'd say the vast majority do, yeah. I mean, you look at a thriller cover, you recognise a thriller. You look at an epic fantasy, you recognise an epic fantasy. Maybe literary fiction is a bit of a, a different one, but generally speaking, yeah, the covers have all these cues and you kind of need to fit into the category to, to attract your reader so they know what you're actually giving them. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I, another thing that we kind of figured out accidentally was that actually some people are looking at the kindle books on a black and white screen so there also needs to be a bit of contrast there as well the uh and you totally figured that on purpose because you're a pro Shh, oh yeah totally tell yeah, 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 yeah exactly <laughs> we're just pulling in all the data beforehand and making really calculated decisions. <laughs> yeah it was the dark red on dark blue not coming out too well <laughs> these are the things you don't think about you just think i've written this amazing story it's gonna sell itself i don't need to worry about marketing cover blur <laughs> But like these are the things that get eyes on your book. This is true. You could be J.K. Rowling, and if you have a terrible cover, your book won't sell. This is true. This is true. So, and and you know, when we're sending someone through to an Amazon page, it's essentially a product page on an e-commerce site. And one of the things that we know about a product page is you need a compelling product description. So, mm. the equivalent on the Amazon page is the blurb. How important is this, in your opinion, to to the sales of the book? It's really important. Um, it, it's like anything, you, you can't talk to them to tell tell them how great your book is and why they ought to read it right now. That description's all you have. So I use a resource called, uh, I think it's Kindlepreneur. Yeah, Kindlepreneur, free Amazon book description generator to format my description. So if you Google that, you can type in your book description and it'll let you play about and do bold text, italicized text, change the size, and it basically makes your description kind of stand out and look really cool and funky so that it catches the eye. And then obviously you need to write some great copy. All the um, formatting in the world isn't going to sell your book if it's lorem ipsum text. So yeah, sort of pretty formatting, good copy. That will really help engage. So um, I think I, one of my friends sent out my book to her newsletter and she said, I'm really, really impressed because you're getting a 40% conversion rate, which means, which is much higher than normal. So it means that for for all the people that are going to the Amazon page, 40% are actually buying the book, which signals that the copy is really good. That's insane. Maybe, well, let's link to that page in the podcast notes as well so that people can see it. Yes, that is awesome. Any product page that converts 40% is A, making Amazon a lot of money and B, something that we need to model. <laughs> yeah, I need to figure out how to replicate that with all my books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So are there any other key success factors to making sure that your books are bought and then kept as well? I think if you hit the cover and you have great blurb copy, the next thing you need to do is is write a really good book that starts with a great first page. People are going to try the sample or download it and, and read the rest based on the sample. You need to make sure that sample's really good. Which one tip I found for that, which has kind of worked for me, is most books are quite slow to get started. And if you delete chapter one, they kind of go straight into the action, which makes it a lot more engaging for the reader. And you find that actually, you don't really lose that much by deleting chapter one. There's a few key nuggets that you can take with you to chapter two or, or sort of expose in the rest of the text. But actually, you cut the, I guess, the fluff 
and you get straight to the action and that's what readers want you know that's what might help hook them to read the rest of your book so are you leaving some open loops in your first few pages how are you how are you kind of hooking them in there um, it depends on the story, to be honest. That's how long is a piece of string um, <laughs> broad, unfortunately. It, it really does depend on the, the kind of story that you're writing. But, you know, ultimately, they need to be introduced to a viewpoint that they're empathetic with. And there's something happening that's absolutely life changing in this world. And they want to find out more what's happening here. Maybe someone's died or who knows, you know, maybe a, a wizard, a 10 year old boy's found out he's a wizard, whatever, you know. <laughs> Okay, cool. So let's talk a bit about the the business back end to your books, because unlike many authors who treat the book as the finished product, you're more of the kind of marketer, aren't you? And you actually treat your book as the start of the relationship with an audience. So how does that work for you? To be honest, I would quite like to just write the books. But as I think <laughs> I've probably hinted at, you kind of need to be a marketer as well to be able to sell them. And it is quite a hard conversion because I think traditionally we think as, of marketing as being quite scammy and it's not a really nice, pleasant thing to be involved with. But actually, marketing is about connecting people with products and, and services and things that they actually really would like. I've approached my marketing like that. My, my main focus is on building my mailing list um, so that I have a customer database which is exclusive of Amazon, social media. So that no matter what happens, I have people that I can always talk to about products that they're going to like, which is my books. Now, most of these people come to me completely cold. They've never heard of me before. And, you know, they, they don't know what my books are about and they don't care, frankly. So I have to think, right, how do I make them care? And I've created an automation sequence, which is quite common in my industry, to basically warm them up. So I'm priming them to engage. I, I get them onto my list by giving them a free product, which, again, is something that you do with your services and many other industries do. They give a little bit of a sample away to get that that reader hooked and then they can have that chance to, I guess, pitch to them at a later date. So I, I use my automation to warm them up and I always try to basically add value to the readers. So it's not about me selling products, it's about me connecting with the readers and, and giving them things that they would like. So they might like my books, they might like other people's books. And just being really genuine in myself you know i'm not some sort of big corporate front you know in a fancy office block in london i'm meg and i send them pictures of my cats and tell them what i'm writing and they kind of seem to like that so yeah that's what i go with just trying to be myself that's awesome and it's it's great to hear i mean i don't know i had a, a kind of soft impression of, of fiction authors to be honest and obviously you've completely changed us <laughs> you know the the book is the finished thing and it's all about the art so it's great to hear that there's a marketing back end and without the marketing back end on our books, there would be no exposure ninja. So mm, yeah, well, basically I've got bills to pay, so I have to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So say I'm reading one of your books. What's the hook that you use to get me onto your website and filling in an email form, first of all? So I, I give away a free book. I'm expanding the amount of series I have. So for every series I have, I will give away a free something in that series. So for my epic fantasy series, I give away a prequel novella, which was 10,000 words and took me a couple of weeks to knock out and I paid like 30 quid for a cover. Um, so really, really cheap and easy way that's netted me, I think about three and a half thousand subscribers so far. With my new series, I have given another free short story away. And again, it's all just, it's just about giving people a taste of that little world and 
if they like it, they can buy more. So I advertise that on services like InstaFreebie, BookFunnel. I do multi-author promotions where we all sort of share free books like that to our readership to try and introduce them to a lot, a lot more of our works. And I, I put them most importantly in the back, front and back of all my eBooks so that whenever I've got someone who's read one of my books, they're introduced to, oh, well, actually, would you like a free book, you know, that continues in this series? Here you go. That's amazing. So you, you've built up your email list doing that. So they go onto the site, they download the free book, and then they start getting the kind of background and the personality stuff, the cat pictures, which I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely well up for. How do you then make more money? I know, you know, not to make it too commercialized, but how do you make more money out of those people once they're on your list? Um, so like I say, I have my automation sequence to warm them up, which introduces them to me. It gives them the chance to download the free book and it tells them a little more about, you know, what I write, why I write. It tries to engage with them and ask them questions and give very clear call to actions in sort of a, will you leave a review or have a reader survey? Will you take 60 seconds to just tell me what kind of books you like? And that helps me write to market and understand who my readers are and what they want. That sort of builds a rapport with them um, so that when they later graduate onto my main list, which is the one I email regularly with, hey, I've written this book, would you like it? Or hey, I've got these great promotions. They already know who I am. They're expecting my emails and they're happier to buy. Now, not everyone buys. That would be amazing. But enough of them buy that, you know, I can make a living from it. So I always try and improve my conversions, my opens, my clicks, how engaging my copy is and my content, what I'm including in my emails to just try and make them as engaging as possible so that people will always see my emails in their inbox and go, oh, Meg's emailed me. I want to read this. I want to see what Meg's got to say by trying not to sell, basically. I, I try and just focus on the relationship and how I can add value to them and hope that the genuine nature of what I'm giving them and the quality of my books will sell themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. So it, it sounds like there's a very heavy skew towards value and, and information and, and relationship building rather than sales pitch. Have you experimented with different ratios? Yeah. Something I do notice is that if you don't ask, you won't sell. So there's sort of a certain amount of sort of nicey, nicey, you know, let's have a chat kind of emails that I can send. But then at some point, if I've got a sale up, it's like, okay, guys, do you know what? I've got this new book out. I'd really love it if you grab it. It's just 99 cents or, you know, pre-order this book or I'm launching whatever. I've got a free book for you. Having that clear call to action really, really helps. So you can't just be passive, build a relationship, build it and they will come. You've really got to ask. If you don't ask, you don't go. Yeah, love it. One of the things that you mentioned, one of the ways to to, to promote, you mentioned their multi-author collaboration. And this is something really cool. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> and I don't know of any equivalents in the rest of the business. Well, I know a few, but not many equivalents in the rest of the business world. So this is why I love the Indie Author Network. It's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe you could give us a quick overview of, of what this thing is all about and then we're going to dig in. Yeah, sure. Um, so multi-author collaboration is just basically um, together we are greater than the sum of our parts. So if we pull together, we can actually do a lot better um, individually. If we help each other, it comes back to us in sales, in readers, um, goodwill, all that kind of stuff for warm fuzzies. Yeah, we basically just work together and go make life awesome. So what does this actually look like in, in, in real life? How, how does this work on a day-to-day -day basis? 
Um, so I, I guess we engage on communities online. We are all over the world. So we can't just walk into our office and chat to the person on the desk next to, next to us. We have to really utilize social media. So Facebook and Twitter has become absolutely crucial for networking with indie authors. And I find particularly that communities on Facebook are hugely valuable in, in basically helping me develop my craft as an author and a marketer and ensuring that actually I can sort of pass that on to, to other people and uh, make new friends, all sorts. So some of my favorite Facebook communities are 20 books to 50K, self-publishing formula and for love or money. And those are run and created by Michael Anderley, Mark Dawson and Susan K. Quinn. Uh, respectively, and who are just leading indie authors and great at their practice, both in marketing and craft. And they've sort of really um, set up great bases for us to all hang out together and learn from each other. So as an indie author, let's say I join, you know, what are the qualifying criteria? How do I get into one of those groups? Um, To basically want to be a successful indie author, there's no oh, you know, you have to be on this lofty pedestal earning a bajillion dollars a year, selling loads of books, you don't have to have qualifications or awards, you just have to want to succeed, you know. it's The indie author space is one of those amazing places where it's, if you want to join the party, feel free and join the party. You know, there's <laughs> no one being shut out. It's kind of pull you away and pass on the good that comes to you and everyone benefits. So when you say everyone benefits, obviously there's support and there's advice and I'm guessing there's people sharing case studies as well. Is that is that the main way that people get benefit from these groups? Yeah, I mean, it can be anything. It's all it's all free and that's what the beauty of it is. It's it's really altruistic which and, and generous, which is lovely. It could be I post a book cover and I want some feedback and people will happily constructively crit it or a blurb or... Maybe I want some help with some ad copy. I've got this Facebook ad and it's just not working, guys. Can you help me? Or maybe actually I've just had this amazing sale and I I want to report back so that you can see my results and, you know, that might help you inform your own promotion results. Anything really. And you also do like collaborations, don't you, where you actually all club together to create a book? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there's... There's various sort of collaborations. So I've mentioned the sort of we swap promos and things like that, but there's also lots of co-writing opportunities, which is something that I'm delving into this year with my co-author at the moment. And basically it's a way that you can share the workload of creating a book or a series and pull together your marketing resources. So realistically, the workload is about half, but you've got twice as much marketing power. And it's a really, really great strategy that's working quite well for a lot of authors to maximize their output and how effective their book launches can be in reaching more readers. It's really, really exciting. So I'm doing two two different co, co-authoring things at the moment. So one is I'm, I'm co-writing a series with a co-author where we write alternate books. Like I say, we split the workload and we can double our marketing efforts. And then the other one I'm involved with is an anthology box set. So basically there's 25 of us getting together and we're producing a box set called Marked by Fate, which will be out this October. Now, we're all contributing a full-length novel to it, so we're each taking on just 125th of the work, but actually we've got 25 times the marketing power for this book. We actually want to sell so many copies that we hit the New York Times and USA Today bestseller list, so we need to sell about between 10,000 and 20,000 copies, which wouldn't be possible for one of us to do alone, but by pooling all our 25 efforts, you know, that means access to our social media, our mailing lists, 
um, the author networks that we've built up to leverage for other people supporting this. It's a really, really powerful way to show just how the power of collaboration can help us do far, far better than we could do by ourselves. This is awesome. I I really, I can't, as soon as you told me this, I was like, I really want to figure out the business version of this mm. for, for, for companies that have, you know, relationships with each other. It'd be so good, wouldn't it? Yeah. And it, it's crazy because in any other industry that I've been in, it's like, you don't work with your competition. That's, that's just crazy. I mean, you don't share your secrets and you don't share what makes you successful and you don't give them a slice of the pie. That, that's madness. And then I come to this industry where everyone freely tells you, um, you know, what, what their best marketing techniques are and what's working great for them. And actually everyone benefits for it. And the anthologies are really sort of the pinnacle of that. Yeah, we, we are completely greater together than the sum of our parts. That's fantastic. And it's, it's great to know that this has all come organically. There's not some organization and there's not some company that's trying to centrally make money out of all of these collaborations. This is just stuff that's happen between independent people yeah. who figured out ways to help each other. Yeah, completely. But I mean, there are some entrepreneurial sites that are springing up because of this. I, I don't know if you've heard of BookBub. No. So BookBub basically connects readers with discount and free books. They're like the king of advertising. If you can get a BookBub ad because they're very selective and you can't just get one, then you've done really well. They, they promote your book to tens of thousands of readers or hundreds of thousands, depending on what category you go for. So authors have taken taken the opportunity to set up services like BookBub, but absolutely purely focused on on it from a, an author point of view. You know, this is authors working for authors and you know, there's small fees and, and things like that, but um, the services that they provide are really, really good. So there's services like BookBub, which are very, very corporate and traditional publishing um, utilizes things like BookBub. But then there's other services like BookRebel and GenreCrave, which have been set up by authors just for indie authors. And that's a really, really great way for us to, again, meet new readers and connect with new audiences because part of our battle is always finding those new readers. We can't draw them into our wonderful books if we, we don't know them. So it's really exciting. There's, there's just a, a whole new sector of business that, you know, to the rest of the world, is, it just doesn't exist. No one knows about it. No, it's, it's fantastic. It's re really, really cool. I, I love... Uh... I love the idea of it and I'm just trying to rack my brain thinking how we could create something similar for businesses. Uh, you've got something, uh, you've got some food for thought. It's, it's just yeah. hugely, hugely exciting and motivational to be, to be part of this, this kind of movement. We are a movement. We're changing the face of publishing. Yeah, you are. And, and I'm interested to, to hear what you think about, about that because people often ask, you know, if they're writing a book, they say, oh, you know, what's the difference between going for a publisher or self-publishing? And I don't think I've ever recommended anybody go through a publisher because it seems <laughs> no. to me that the only benefit is that you get an advance, which you'll probably never pay off. They're just going to use KDP just like you would. So why bother? I mean, d d do you agree? And where do you see publishing and, and books going in the future? It's a difficult one. When I wrote my first book, I looked into publishing and that's when I discovered self-publishing and I evaluated it as a business model. And when I did that, traditional publishing just, just didn't stand up. I I wouldn't accept a traditional deal now unless it was at least six figures and it was print-only world distribution. I'd want to keep my ebook rights, I'd want to keep my film rights, my television rights. It's it's really, really hard to say, yeah, a trad pub's a great way to go. Generally speaking, you know, obviously so, there are some exceptions because the deals are just so 
bad these days. Like you say, you, you get this advance. It's very small. You might not pay it off. You're still expected to do most of the marketing yourself. It's very, <laughs> yeah. very hard to see what the draw is. I just love the freedom and the control that IndiePub gives me. I I basically have a chance to to make my own life and I wouldn't want to give that to someone else. You know, I, I have to put the expenses in and I have to put the hard work in, but I get to reap the rewards. So that's, yeah, I wouldn't change that. And, and what about the future? Obviously, KDP has completely revolutionized book publishing. Yeah. Do, where do you see it going next? Do, uh, is Kindle at risk of, you know, dying out or physical books <laughs> dead? Like five years time what was this whole thing look like oh the traditional see it depends who you believe because if you look at the traditional publishing industry they're like oh my god bookstores are dying and then the next minute they're like oh my god we can't sell ebooks and it's like well (laughs) books aren't dying you know you just need to move to different models of selling them and ebooks aren't dying you just price them out of your readers affordability you know the, the benefit of indie publishing is we look at what readers are actually buying books for and we price to market so we price to make the readers a good deal but we also price to sell our, our books as well so no print is not dying kindle is gonna get bigger and bigger um you have emerging markets now like india brazil there's always going to be more and more readers who are able to access that technology as technology comes to third world countries um so that's hugely exciting but i'm not sure where the market's gonna be i mean amazon kind of have not a monopoly but they're definitely the biggest player and they know it <laughs> which is not great for us kindle unlimited is a bit of a, a double-edged knife at the moment because the pay rates are falling every month i've sort of spoken to a few authors and we think that trend might continue downwards because basically Amazon get to pay whatever they like per page, which is not necessarily as much as we would like to see. So it's going to be interesting to see how that business model matures and where it leaves us financially. And if the market share that Kindle Unlimited offers can match or exceed what it would be for us to go wide with other retailers, because that's what it comes down to for me. It's, you know, I'm looking at the financial viability of Kindle Unlimited and thinking, okay, can I make more money in Kindle Unlimited than all of the rest of the retailers put together? And at the moment, the answer is yes. And I'm sure that the Amazon will definitely want to keep authors thinking that so that authors continue to commit to the Kindle Unlimited program, because obviously that means more money for Amazon. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do that over the next sort of five or so years. But yeah, um, I definitely think that, that Kindle books are going to astronomically keep taking off as, as more readers are able to access them through um, through growing sort of technology in, in other countries. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, for us, uh, our income from Kindle in particular has decreased significantly over the last four years, despite the fact that we're selling a lot more books than we ever have done before. It's just, it seems like Amazon now it has, well, it's essentially <laughs> a monopoly, isn't it? It's even telling people like us that we can't publish elsewhere. And now it's like, well, now I've got you, I'm not going to pay you as much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's the danger. It's, it is a really, really hard, hard decision to make. You know, every month it's right. Do I go KU? Do I go wide? It's, but at the moment, I mean, Amazon do offer for, for me and for many other authors, but certainly not everyone, the best financial model. I, I really, really hope they, that they continue to treat authors fairly. Obviously, the more money we make for ourselves, the more money we're making for them. So. Yeah, they, they absolutely kind of have to keep us sweet. If too many authors desert the KU program, then, you know, ultimately it's Amazon that's going to lose. So I, I, you know, they're, they're smart enough to know that they're not going to, um, they're not going to turn us away. 
This is very true. Before we wrap up, this has been absolutely amazing. I, I just wanted to ask you about pricing because you touched on it there. Mm -hmm. And it's always been an interesting one because you can price your books super low so you can sell the most and you can go out the bestseller list. Mm. You can price them higher to get more profit per book. What's your strategy? What's your thought here? I am testing different strategies with different series. So a lot of my business plan is all about experimentation, basically. So I, I've got all these different series. I'm basically trying to do different marketing techniques with different series to try and figure out which ones stick. I don't engage in free first in series. The market's really saturated with those and a lot of free books that people download just don't get read. I mean, I must have, gosh, at least 200 free books that I've just gone, oh yeah, that looks good. And I download it and I don't read it. I prioritize reading the books that I've paid for because those have value to me. I've exchanged money that I've worked for to get those books. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely believe in charging for books. I do price my first in series at 99 cents because at the moment that gives me the biggest customer funnel coming in. So if I can get a lot more people coming in and buying book one, then I've got a chance of more of those people going on to buy book two, three, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas if I price higher, then I'm going to dissuade a lot of people from buying book one. So it, it's sort of, I'm either going to get a very low read-through rate from book one to book two, but then it will stay quite static at the lower price point. Or if I'm pricing higher at book one, I'm going to get much less, much fewer readers going to book one, but then much more of those, many more of those readers will stay with me through book two and book three. So again, it's it's that payoff, which is going to bring me the best financial return, pricing low or pricing high. So at the moment, 99 cents for book one and um, depending on the book length, 2.99 or 3.99, um, that's dollars for the rest of the books. But for you guys, it will be different because you're nonfiction, so you can command a much higher price. But it's all up in the air. Who knows? I have no idea. <laughs> Typically, it's sort of between 2.99 and 4.99 is, yeah. is the sweet spot for fiction. So yeah, I always try and stay in that. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think we've tried we tried a whole bunch of different price points. We were selling at seven ninety nine at one point, which maximizes revenue, but we're not using the books for revenue, we're just using the books to generate leads. So my thinking is get the books on as many people's Kindles as possible, so price pretty low. But No, I completely agree with that. That that's part of my strategy as well, because I want to get as many people into that book one because then more as I can, because more of those people are likely to then go and get my lead magnet and then they're on my list. So I'd much rather have 10,000 people buy book one and then I get a 10%, you know, I'd, let's, for example, I'm making that might, that might be really good or maybe it's really bad. Maybe 10% <laughs> of those go onto my list rather than say a thousand people buy book one and 10% go onto my list. You know, I'm, I'm all about the Getting, I'd rather have a reader than a sale. You know, a reader's worth a lot more in the long run than one sale at 99 cents. Very, very true. Perfect place to wrap up. Meg, <laughs> this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for taking us inside the world of the indie author. Where can people find out more about you and your books? Um, so I'm in all the usual social media places, really. So uh, my website is www.megcowley.com and all my social media links are on there. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for tuning in. All right. It's been great chatting. Thanks, Tim. Bye.